This is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to the last episode of Dealer News Today in 2021. You know, it's it's been a crazy year, again, for sure, in many, 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 many different ways. But, you know, we haven't missed a beat with DNT this whole year, and we're going to do it again in 2022. So make sure you follow the show on Instagram at Dealer News Today, and you could listen to all the previous episodes at DealerNewsToday.com or, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Derek D., and you can visit DerekD.com for all my stuff, of course, social media and all that. But we have a, a great episode for you today, a very experienced guest on the show when it comes to the automotive industry, especially when it comes to trends and insights. She's one of the most go-to people for all things analytics. She's worked at Subaru, Mitsubishi, and is now the Executive Director of Insights at Edmonds. Folks, please welcome Jessica Caldwell to the show. What's going on, Jessica? How you doing? Doing good, thank you, and thank you for having me. Just trying to get to the end of the year, to be honest. I hear you. Hey, we appreciate you coming on Dealer News today, and, and aren't we all, right? I mean, it's, it's coming in quick. It's coming in hot. It's like 2020 was kind of like, you know, obviously because the pandemic, but it just was like a year that didn't exist. Oh, it existed, but like it didn't exist. You know, does that make any sense? Like it just kind yeah. of went by. Yeah, it doesn't count. Like my birthday shouldn't have counted in 2020 for oh, 2020. Yeah, we shouldn't have aged. <laughs> right, exactly. And now 2021 <laughs> seems like it flew by too, but man. 2022 is coming in hot. Yeah, I know. I think no one's ready to call it their year yet because I feel like we would say, we said that about 2021. So <laughs> I'm approaching this very cautiously, I guess, especially with the new variant on our heels. But uh, fingers crossed, right? Yeah, for sure. I saw a meme that said, like, you notice no one's <laughs> posting, like, 2022 is going to be my year. Everyone's just kind of <laughs> holding off. But uh, I, I'm feeling very optimistic. Um, uh, so uh, where are you from originally? Originally, um, I'm from uh, I'm from the Los Angeles area, from actually Orange County, uh, but now based in uh, Los Angeles proper. So yeah, mostly in Southern California my whole life, with the exception of a few years on the East Coast. Um, I just couldn't. Uh, once you get used to this weather, it's hard to it's hard to leave. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So you're so do you live in Santa Monica? Because I think I read that somewhere. Yes, my office is in Santa Monica, uh, but I live in Los Angeles, so I'm not too far from the office. I oh, mean, okay. in traffic, of course, it'll take an hour, but um, realistically, as the crow flies, not far. Right. There's never not any traffic in LA. Everyone knows that. You say 20 minutes, but it's never 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 minutes is <laughs> no traffic any place. Everything else with traffic, an hour plus. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, especially on the 405. Um, where, where, in, uh, where in the East Coast did you live? Um, I actually worked for Subaru, so they're based out of Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So I, I, I lived in Philadelphia for a little bit, and <laughs> I, I really loved the area. I just um, the summers and the winters, though. I think you have to be born to uh, shovel your car out of snow. I think I made it through three winters, and as I approached winter four, I thought I don't think I can do it one more time. <laughs> that's funny I'm because I'm not tough enough. Yeah, that that's interesting because I. I live in New Jersey and Cherry Hills, yeah, South Jersey. I'm I'm Central Jersey, right by the beach, so in, in Belmar. Um, okay. There's there's also like a Belmore, South Jersey, Belmar. but that's right. But I'm in, yeah, I'm in like B E L M A R. It's a beach town. I grew up in Neptune, a neighboring town, but it's like I love going out to California and you know the weather and stuff. But I'm the opposite. It's like I need the change. I need I need to be in uh, cold weather during the holiday season. Like I want to see, I don't want to see palm trees on Christmas day. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely weird. And I think I love the cold weather until Christmas comes. But I think once Christmas is over <laughs> and the New Year is over, then I don't Good really point. want to see it any longer. So, <laughs> Good point. But yeah, I mean, the area is so beautiful and I do like the seasons, but I think we just don't grow up with it. It is hard to adjust. Yeah, that, that's true. That's a very valid point and good point because, yeah, after after the holidays are over, I'm like, okay, all the lights come down and everything, and it's unless I'm snowboarding on it, like I don't really want a ton of snow, uh, uh, you know, to digging my car out and all that crap. It's just, I yeah, I get that. So that makes sense. Anyway, um, I saw we have we probably have multiple mutual friends, but on LinkedIn, do you know Mike Spinelli? Uh, yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> Are we, is he coming on the show? <laughs> no, 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 actually I should get Spinelli for the show, but, um, no, I just was curious. Cause on LinkedIn, I saw we were mutual friends. I was wondering if he was just like, just a connection on LinkedIn or you actually know him. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since we've spoken to be honest, but, um, but yeah, it's a bit of a blast from the past. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I know. I know Spinelli very well. I've known him for many years. He was, uh, the original writer for the show I hosted for almost a decade called fast lane daily. And, um, so yeah, that was just funny. I was just wondering that connection there, but anyway, I still talk to Mike and we work together here and there. I just thought that was cool. So you, you've been with Edmonds for 15 years and, uh, but previous to that, like you just mentioned, you worked for Subaru and Mitsubishi in the past, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, Subaru was right before Edmonds and then yeah, Mitsubishi before then. So I've always been in automotive really. <laughs> yeah. And, and were you always into, so I ask people this all the time on the show, were you always into cars when you were younger growing up? Did you just like cars or did you, or you kind of, because you know, where you went to college and you know, yeah. you, you kind of got directed towards the auto industry and then uh-huh. worked in the business side of it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I think you can't grow up in Southern California without being really aware of cars and knowing their importance and image and, and all of those things. So, yeah, you definitely grew up. And then when I grew up in the early 90s, I feel like we kind of went through a really cool Japanese import era. So you couldn't help but get into it mm-hmm. um, in that. And actually... I've always like sort of been in the industry, even when my mother was pregnant with me, she worked at a Ford factory in Pico Rivera. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, I was almost born on an assembly line. That's a fun fact. <laughs> um, I wasn't luckily. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I'd say that that interest in cars is always there, but Truth be told, I, my first automotive job was in college. I took an internship at Toyota, and I'd say the big draw was uh, was the pay because I think it was back then ten seventy five an hour or twelve. 12 this is the late nineties, <laughs> but I remember yeah. thinking, oh "My goodness, like I don't care what it is, I will, I'll be rich if I take that if I take that internship." <laughs> right. So <laughs> that's how I, I transitioned over. I love to say that it was more interest-based, but, uh, you know, I think it was financial at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that, that's, that's a very important aspect and, uh, you're right. And so Cal, you can't, you can't not notice cars. I mean, it's a big car culture there. Uh, so after Toyota, I'm assuming you got hired by Toyota and then you left and went to Mitsubishi. Uh, yeah, I just worked in Toyota in, in college, so oh, okay. I didn't really stay there too long, but yeah, right when I finished school, I kind of wanted to you know, mix it up. And I, um, and at, at the time, Mitsubishi was the fastest growing Japanese car company. And I remember the Eclipse and the 3000 GT were yes, like pretty much the, the coolest cars <laughs> like you could have at the time. It was like the Eclipse GSX that was like Intel, I think pretty much my dream car. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. That was such yeah. a, it, it's crazy. It was, I think how Mitsubishi, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. How like Mitsubishi's like, we're so like, I remember the Eclipse being like, oh man, you got an Eclipse. 
And then like yeah. Mitsubishi has really kind of like fallen off car wise, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it had a moment there, I think, where it was just, I mean, it was that, it was the Fast and the Furious. It just, um, yeah. you know, kind of changed tax. I think maybe went for, you know, more volume and, and, you know, you know, to be fair, I think people's chase taste changed as well during that time period. It was like so much about the coupe and the two door and that mm-hmm. look for, for quite some time. And I think that that kind of changed. It was starting to see the beginning of the SUV boom and craze and people wanting a little bit more space. And, you know, those cars really didn't fit that. So, um, yeah, so I think it was a bit, you know, a bit of both really. It was, you know, they kind of have changed their strategy, but also the consumer taste changed quite a bit during yeah. that time as yeah, less Evo and more SUV, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But oh god, the evolution back in those days—that was, um, yeah, that was a pretty. That was always a, a fun. I know one time we did like a drive through the mountains with that versus oh, nice. all the competitors, and I still think that was like one of my like, favorite <laughs> mornings of my life. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's such a fun car to drive. I mean, you know, the Evo is a, an amazing rally car, so it makes sense. But mm-hmm. uh, after your after Mitsubishi, you went to Subaru, which is a great company, great cars and performance, as well as good utility vehicles all around. So now you're with Edmonds, and you've been there for 15 years, right? Yeah, for 15 years, so <laughs> a little bit of time. All right. So yeah, you've you, for, from from what I've read, you're you're you're. You, you know your stuff. So uh, what's a, I ask people this on the show a lot. What's like a, you know, you're the executive director of insights at Edmonds. What's a typical day look like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, it really varies, uh, to be honest. And I'm sure everyone says that as well. But generally, I'm looking at data. We get like sales transaction data. So I'm looking at that to see what exactly is going on. That's not every day, of course, but it's it's quite yeah. a bit. Um I do, uh, you know, quite a bit of media. So like, you know, today I've taken a few uh, media calls and then I also look at um, car shoppers in the universe of, of car shopping. So as it relates to Edmonds in terms of like, you know, who are the people that we should be targeting? So I do a lot of like market research in that area as well um, to, mm. to kind of figure out how consumers' tastes are changing. You know, is there a difference in geographical areas? Um, what is the type of information they really want to consume? Like what are, you know, how do they really want to be spoken to? Like what are the different like niches of, of people really, you know, buying cars? You know, there's people that just want to be told what to buy, you know, just yeah. like what, I want to spend this much. I want something that is the best brand I can get. And I, you know, someone else figure it out for me. And then there's the people that just like love to grind. So it's like, you know, kind of, you know, how do we talk to these people and create content for these people um, in a way that they, they want to consume. So I do a lot of that work too. Probably that's something that's a bit more, you know, for me under the radar, but, um, but yeah, I mean, of course, you know, the media is, is, is a big thing and that's always, you know, really fun and exciting and, you know, I love seeing how um, the industry really has evolved in the past few years because it has been an exciting time. It has, I mean, it really has been an exciting time for quite some time, but I'd say just the, the past year has been quite interesting because we're yeah. heading into challenges that we like, there's no model for it. It's just completely um, up in the air. And even something as simple as, you know, what is your forecast for 2022 is really a loaded question because I'm not predicting how many cars people want to buy. I'm really predicting how many cars auto companies can make at this point, which is completely different. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I think it's just, yeah, it's challenging and it's always changing, which is good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and what you do, it sure sounds like there's a lot of research that goes into this data analytics, looking into so many things going on with the manufacturers, the amount of cars they're producing, the supply and demand, all this stuff. I mean, it's been 
10 years since the auto industry has done this well and profited, but <laughs> what are some of the car shopping trends right now among customers? It's kind of hard to find something, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's tough out there for customers. I mean, they're not finding what they want. And if they're lucky, lucky enough to even find a vehicle that they remotely like, it's generally at a price that they don't want to pay. Exactly, um, yeah. So it is definitely tough. But then on the other hand, I'm, you know, I hear and talk to a lot of people who's, who they kind of think about it like in relative terms. Like I was speaking to somebody who actually I was going to be a guest on Bloomberg and it was somebody in the green room and he was just like, yeah, I'm going to buy, or I bought a, um, uh, a Tahoe and it's, you know, it was, I think 7,000, no, it was 10,000 over MSRP and he was going to have to wait seven months. And to me, that sounds, but he was like telling me about the other like things he had gotten offered and he was like, this is the best one. So, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that. And I think for people that need cars, it's not something that you can put off indefinitely. If you really, you know, if you do truly need one, um, especially now as offices are opening back up, um, you know, so they're kind of just going along with it and transaction prices are the highest they've ever been. I never thought transaction prices would be higher than MSRPs on aggregate. They, they have been for the past three months now. Um, and for, you know, for people like us who've been in the industry for a while, that just seems like, I mean, you, you, you probably never thought that that would happen. Like you never thought the price (laughs) people would pay would be over MSRP. It just sounds crazy, but yeah. Yeah. Especially with, you know, like I, I really want the new C8 Corvette. Like that's, you know, that's a whole, I mean, I've said on the show before, once my, the sitcom that I'm pitching gets picked up, once that happens, I'm going to go buy the new Corvette, but it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy right now. What, like if, first off, you can't get it anywhere. And second, Mm -hmm. like if you do find it somewhere, the, 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 the price is insane for like, it, it, it could be the MSRP could be like 72, right? And then you're mm-hmm. selling for like 110, 115, yeah. something insane. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like it's crazy. So what what what's some of the latest uh up-to-date maybe information you have on the inventory situation? Is it getting any mm-hmm. better? Is it getting worse? I know it's there's a demand. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I think the good news is that it hasn't gotten worse. And at this point, I'm just really comparing it to like what a normal time period, like what the inventory would look like. Because if you just compare it to, to itself, it's <laughs> it's a bit hard. And not only that, it's it's um, it's so low and it moves so fast that mm. it, you can't really get an accurate read. So I'm just basically looking at like what this time period looked like versus two years ago. And the good thing is, is that it's not falling further. Um, like back in October, it was like, it just was going, it just kept going down. So you're just right. like, you know, Oh my God, are we going to hit like, it's down like 90% from where it was before, but we're we're kind of back up to like around 75. So, I mean, if you think about it, like dealers out there are like working like with 25% of what they normally would have this time of year. Of course, that number probably was higher than it needed to be, to be honest. But yeah, that, that really is the, the reality. So it feels like it's kind of hit the floor, but you know, that said the last time we had a variant the Delta variant and shut down a factory um, in Malaysia that builds chips, you know, to chips. So, you know, like I think we're looking at the winter very like with a lot of trepidation, thinking that, you know, could the same thing happen again? And I think if everything is okay and we carry on as we have, then 
it should be getting a little bit better, but you just can't make up that much inventory in a short period of time. So it's not like by the end of March, everything will be like great. You can't go from like being down 80% to only down 20% in a matter of three months. It just, you know, <laughs> too many, like you just can't produce in the, that, those type of quantities. It's, it's pretty impossible. So, um, so yeah, so I mean, fingers crossed because yeah, the industry needs more vehicles. If yeah. you know, the automakers may not want as many as before, but we need. I think we can agree that we need more than what we have right at this minute. Right, so you yeah. can get your Corvette, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, actually, <laughs> funny enough, on the on the top of my tree, my my <laughs> my tree topper, I made this. It's it's the 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 exact spec'd out Corvette I want with lights around it. And that's my tree topper, not an angel or anything like that. It's the, Cor- it's the Corvette that I want. Oh, yeah. well, you know, you, you, you know, you have to have it in some form, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I have driven them and they're friggin' sick, you know, Ugh, I just want one so bad, but yeah, uh, to your point, because the, uh, inventory is, and was so low, it's not just going to, like you said, fix itself overnight. I do mm-hmm. think we are headed in the right direction as well. Uh, I'm feeling optimistic about it, but it's not just getting a hold of new cars. You know, uh, used car prices are way higher than average as well. Mm-hmm. I read something that back in August, the average nationwide price for used cars alone rose by like 27% or something, which is crazy significant. I mean, I, I don't want to sell my car, but Uh-oh. it's in immaculate condition with add-ons. I, I could probably get a lot of money for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could get a lot of money for it. That's a fact. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think people think when they see these new car prices, they're like, well, I'll just go get myself a used car. I mean, that makes sense, right? Like that just, of course... Um, you know, is the natural option, but you know, the reality is because so many people are doing that, it has spiked up used prices so much. And a, a part of that is pandemic because some people like would normally be in the new car market or thinking, you know, okay, I'm gonna be a bit more financially conservative during this time period. Like, I don't know what's happening with my job and the economy and all that. So I'm gonna go for a used car. So used car is inventories were hurting any anyways. Um yeah. and then you add layer this on, and I mean I can I can realistically see the average price of a used car early next year going above $30,000. Cause I think right now it's about 29. And I mean that, you know, to us sounds like a new car price, shouldn't it? Um, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. In fact, I was just looking at, um, you know, people that finance used cars last month. And basically if you kind of just look at what the average monthly payment of what people are paying that finance used cars, not people that pay in cash, obviously, but those used car payments look just like they were exactly the same as new car payments five years before. Oh man. So never has this industry changed that fast in regards to pricing. And so it is, yeah, it is, it is definitely, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was passed by a used lot the other day, like near me here where I live. And I saw like, a, it looked like a really good shape. O2 BMW three series. I don't know. It was like three twenty eight I or something. And I'm in my head. I'm like, okay. I said, let me check this out. Like it, you know, it, this can't be more than three, maybe four, maybe depending on what the bells and whistles it has selling for $9,000. <laughs> I was like, this is an O2. This car is 19 years old. Right. Like, are you yeah. kidding me right now? Oh, <laughs> it's absolutely. And so many people like I speak to, they're like, oh, my car is old. It's probably not worth that much. It has over 100,000 miles. I'm like, no, 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 no. Get yeah. it. Like, go, go through an online tool. Get it appraised. You'll be surprised. And so many people are like, I cannot believe my car is worth that much, which is great if you don't need another car. Yeah. But if you do, then <laughs> therein lies the problem. So, um yeah, it is. Yeah. You think that these cars are, you know, and, and also like, I think we have like these like 
um, you know, these preconceived notions of how, like you passed that BMW thinking, oh, I think I know about how much it costs. Yeah. Well, normally I um, do, but I don't right now. <laughs> no. And you probably won't for a while still, unfortunately, but, um, but yeah, so fingers crossed, nobody gets into what, you know, just like, I know also people are thinking like, oh my God, if I get into an accident right now, I'm going to have to replace my car, like unwillingly. Um, so I know that, you know, people are trying to drive extra safe as well, because it's like, yeah. you'll get more for your vehicle, but in the same token, it's not going to make up for what you're going to have to do to, to buy a new one. Right. Exactly. You know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes I think to my, cause I think to myself and this dealers obviously don't want to hear this, but the best place to maybe buy right now used cars is privately because I look on the Facebook marketplace or something and I see how much they have some cars listed for. And I'm like, these people don't realize that if they brought that car to, you know, a dealership to sell it or something like that, they, they can get a lot more money, but they're selling it on Facebook marketplace. So like, oh, I'm only going to get this amount for this car. They're not privy to <laughs> what's going on, yeah. you know, but, um, so let me ask you this. Is, is there, is there any, sorry, did I cut you off? Oh, no, I was going to say like, yeah, you can still find that. Cause I think there are a lot of people out there <laughs> scouring Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, trying to find those, those deals to add to their inventory as well. Yeah, so, that's um, true too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. dealers are doing that. The ones listening are like, yeah, we're, I'm, we're way ahead of you, Derek. We're already, we're already on that. Um, so is there, since you no, know, we have a, a lot of dealerships and uh, listening to this show and dealers, is there any big insights that we may not know about yet that especially would help or maybe not help dealerships, but would be some great information for them to know? Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, I think that one thing I have noticed is that, um, and, and I want to do some, some more research on this, but like leasing has always historically been such a big part of um, just the composition of new car sales. I mean, it generally makes up about a third of retail sales. So it's a significant business, but we've seen it really drop recently because, you know, generally if you see a lease, it's on a, a, a car that's maybe not as well equipped because because of residual values. Right. Um, and now vehicles that are coming into dealerships, I mean, they're very well equipped. So leasing in that regard wouldn't really make as much sense for anybody. But I, but like, I'm curious, particularly for dealers who deal a lot with leasing, like in terms of like how that, how their business is changing. I mean, right now they're probably selling the cars anyways, but um, that said, will that, you know, will that always be the case? So we've seen leasing really drop, which is, um, you know, a follow out of everything that's going on. Um, but it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's such a high number of vehicles that are being leased. It's, I mean, it's any more than one automaker. No one has a 33% market share or something around yeah. that point. So, you know, trying to pivot and kind of deal with that. I mean, dealerships, I mean, they're just dealing with a lot. There's a lot there, you know, there definitely is a lot of moving parts. And then also, um, you know, we keep seeing these things about market adjustments and, consumers up in arms about that, um, whether or not, you know, you can mark up a car that much and not sure if it feels like, you know, there could be a bit of a backlash or, you know, movement in that yeah. regard. So I've definitely <laughs> watched that because I've seen a lot of people posting pictures of, um, you know, $93,000 RAV4 hybrids and stuff like Jeez. that. Um, so that's something that probably is, is, is to watch, but it's just an interesting market right now because there's really not so many things happening because the cars that are being delivered are being sold. Like there's no, yeah, they're getting sold no, like right you know, away. Of, yeah. In terms of like marketing, I, I think the big thing is, is that there's a lot of deferred demand. I mean, when we look at the sales rate, like since 
May, it's just been really bad um, compared to where demand is. Mm. So I think the, for, you know, for dealerships out there is like, how do you mitigate when that deferred demand starts to come back and build up those relationships with these consumers? Because there is, I'd say in times like this, a lot of opportunity because people I think are more flexible because they know they can't get what they want. So they're like more likely to switch brands. They're more likely to switch vehicles, probably dealerships. Mm. Um, but when those people start to come back, like how do you, you know, target them in a, um, you know, in a good way. And also kind of, you know, anyone that's been upset about some of these like market adjustment type things, like how do you, you know, build that relationship too? Because we, you know, we do probably have, I'd say at this point, uh, pent up demand of, you know, probably close to in the neighborhood of 2 million. Like if we look at like where sales have been, Mm. um, definitely over a million, Uh, that's a lot of sales. Um, So what it does come back into, into play, like, you know, how do you, how do you position yourself best to capture those, you know, those customers? And, and I don't, you know, I'm not a marketing person. I don't know how, how to do that, but I do know that it's coming. So I think anyone who prepares themselves for that, it will probably put themselves in a, in a better position. Yeah. Well, I mean, preparation and planning is, is key. That's for sure. Uh, is leasing down right now because you'd lease at a higher price because cars are priced a lot higher right now than MSRP. So you're paying this high monthly payment, but in a year or two, when things level out a bit, Mm -hmm. you're still stuck paying that higher price because that's where Mm -hmm. the market was when you leased your car. Do you think that's why it's down at all? Yeah. I mean, that definitely is, um, you know, that is a, it is a part of it, but I mean, a lot of leasing is subsidized by automakers. Um, they're either subsidizing the money factor or the residual. And at this point, what's the point? <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and like I said, like generally, if you look at what's lease is, um, cause the more content you put on a vehicle, um, it doesn't translate into the residual. Like you're not going to make all that back. Yeah, um, exactly. so generally you do have lower contented vehicles are the, you know, are kind of those ones that are leased out. Um, and you know, and why make those at this point, if you're an automaker, they're not necessarily, um, you know, dealers are selling vehicles for more money, but that doesn't necessarily translate to the automakers themselves. So if they sell a richer equipped vehicle, then that's one way that they can make, you know, a bit more, but, um, but yeah, I mean, all of this is just, I mean, in flux because it's, everyone's trying to figure out how to make the best of, of this situation. And it's so incredibly frustrating because we've never had really a significant supply problem. It's always like, how do we get more customers? How do we increase market share? Like, how do we, yeah. you know, like how, it's basically like, how, how do we like get more demand out there and stimulate demand? It's never like, well, we only have a small pot of, of vehicles. How do we like maximize what we, what we're working with here? So it's a different set of problems than, than what we, what we've had. And, um, considering everything we've been through the, you know, the great recession and cash for clunkers and, um, crazy recalls and the tsunami that happened in Japan, like this is still different. And it's funny. It feels like we should have gone through pretty much everything, but nope, this is a, this is still a new one. Yeah. Well, I mean, the industry is definitely going through it all. And in the scheme of things in a very short amount of time, and you know, you learn from it, you take the positive from the negative. I think, uh, you know, you look, yeah. at, you look at dealerships before the pandemic and so many of their lots were just loaded with so many cars. Like we got to have tons and tons of cars. And I think gone are those days because you really don't need to do that anymore. The process is more streamlined now with online buying and stuff. Even the paperwork process is more streamlined. You're not in a dealership for three hours. And I think we could find a happy medium of supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And when it evens out a bit, it'll be, you know, hypothetically perfect. And cars won't be as expensive for consumers, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, I definitely think that's the goal. I do. We have seen in the past, though, that automakers sometimes do get a bit greedy about market share and times. 
Um, the only way you can do that is just being able to offer more vehicles and more options than some of your competitors. And then one starts in with the incentives um, because they have more vehicles on hand and then another one follows suit and then we kind of just go back down the same rabbit hole. I mean, hopefully this time will be different and we'll be able to balance that out a little bit more. But, um, you know, I, I definitely want to see um, I definitely want to see it before I start making the call for it because I feel like we, this road feels somewhat familiar. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I don't think it's ever been this extreme. But I mean, I, they are like managing. Yeah, they are managing. Um, you know, figuring out inventory. We probably may see more build-to-order type executions in the future. I think I think consumers are open, more open to that right now. It probably is because the market conditions make it so that people are right. waiting anyway. You might as well get the vehicle that you want. So it will be different because, I mean, it works in other parts of the world. It never really has worked here, but we never really have tried it seriously. So I think that's another thing that we could see on the retail side that will be a little bit different. I don't think it'll be across the board, but I think that um, automakers will definitely dabble more in that build-to-order type of um, situation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, definitely, and it's streamlined. Uh, you know, you had mentioned incentives before, and right now there's just not that many because there doesn't need to be right. on the seller's end because of, you know, the demand. Uh, definitely a very interesting time in the automotive industry, something we've never dealt with, but the dealers are doing well, the automotive companies are doing well. But I think I speak for everyone when I say, we don't want to be paying way over MSRP. That's just crazy. I mean, I, I want my Corvette and all, but a forty to $50,000 markup uh it's a no for me, dog. This <laughs> <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah, well, Jessica Caldwell, thanks so much for coming on Dealer News today. Uh, happy holidays and uh, all that stuff. And stay safe out there in uh, warm California. <laughs> yes, same to you. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Yeah, you got it. That was Jessica Caldwell, the executive director of Insights at Edmonds. Of course, you can go to Edmonds.com. Uh, but that's it for this episode of Dealer News Today and the last episode of 2021. I appreciate you listening and hope you all have a very happy and healthy new year. I'm Derek D and here's to 2022.